into another Quarren stream. Well, not really Quarren stream. I guess we're just going to call these Saturday streams or something. I don't know. Pitch the names in the chat for what you think we should call these things. Like sometimes they're follow up to videos, but I don't make enough videos that that's like a good enough thing to call them. Quarantine has pretty much ended at this point. So I don't know. Think of a name. Pitch me something. Actually, you know, <laughs> yeah, pitch, pitch me some names. That'll be a lot of fun. What we're doing today is an ask a magician anything. So an A, not an AMA, but an AAMA. I think that tortured acronym gets there. Yeah, no topic today. We're just gonna just gonna talk to the chat. I got some stuff here from patrons and stuff that uh, sent me a wide array of questions ahead of time. <laughs> Left the thumbnail for this live stream. I uh, says, Carly, well, I picked that because, as I said, I'm going on uh, vacation starting next week. So I'm gonna be spending a week up at a lake up in New Hampshire. So I just sort of picked the the picture of what I'll be doing. I'll be wearing sunglasses and on a dock the whole time. Matterday streams. Oh, I think Emma got it. <laughs> I've got a lot of super chats coming in. Yeah, so that's what I'll be doing. I'll, I'm not going to be back until I think the next stream will be July 10th if I don't have to work. I have to check my schedule. But uh, yeah, so the 19th, the 16th and the 3rd, no streams. You guys are all free to enjoy your Saturdays however you want to although from what i understand from my patrons a lot of you guys watch them while like doing chores and then taking a nap do magicians fish no i don't fish i was never i've never been taught to fish my uncle or no my uh, grandfather was a big fisherman he used to do it all the time but uh, he died the year i was born so that skill never got passed down to me and in honor of of my upcoming day we'd be having some i don't actually drink on streams anymore i used to do that because of the settlement nerve ah settle my nerves but i don't really do that anymore but just for today we're gonna be busting out a shandy and we're gonna be putting in my horn mug <laughs> that my cousin gave me <laughs> so yeah uh, i don't really have a plan today i'm just gonna react to things in the chat go through the questions i got go through the super chats i see i missed some before i went live so I'm going to pour this and we're going to get going. Don't worry, it's a shandy. So it's like it has like the same alcohol content of like stream. <laughs> Everyone deals with stress in different ways. When I was just getting started, alcohol was how I did it. It was a bad idea. Don't do that. It doesn't make you perform better on stream. It just makes you say ridiculous things. Actually any I've actually gotten way more viewers since I stopped doing that. So if that helps for anybody that's trying to be a content creator in the future, don't get lit before you stream. <laughs> I poured it very, very poorly, so still waiting for the foam to go down. Actually, Joe Magician tip. If you want to get the foam to go down real fast, and uh, just grab some oil from your face on the top of the bubbles. You can see it start the bub the oil starts popping the bubble very fast. Yeah, I'm the I'm a groomsman for my uh, cousin's wedding coming up in the fall, and this was his groom's gift to me. He gave me I don't know what it's made out of. I'm guessing tile based on the size. Yeah, it's an actual horn. Oh, thank you for the super chat, uh, Greg Martin. I missed that one. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Reed Temple, $5. Have you read Dune? If yes, what are your thoughts? If no, any plans to do so? Nice hair as well. I mean, if you guys just want to compliment my hair the whole time, I mean, here we go for it. <laughs> All right, there we go. I finally finished emptying one can into a giant horn. So have I read Dune? I have not read Dune. Do I have any plans to do so? The thing about Dune that from what I understand about it is that it is dry and not just because it's on giant uh, sand planets. There's a lot of it's it's like i think it's like a lot of politicking and stuff and then like weird shit that has to do with sandworm like that i mean it's not that different from a song of ice and fire i just know it's very long and from what i've heard it's the way it's written is really dry and hard to get through the only person i know that has recently picked it up and decided they liked it 
is a Jeff or Brendan B. Fish. But then again, he's weird. A strange guy. So is that like that a good recommendation for me to do it? I don't know. Like I had a heart. I had a lot of trouble when I was younger going through Lord of the Rings. I didn't finish it until a few years ago because I tried. I tried picking it up and just like the endless travel logs and the massive amount of focus on scenery and how how slow the story went and how dense it was because it's from like different literary age, basically. Well, not that old. Lord of the Rings is relatively recent. That's one of those funny things. People people treat Lord of the Rings like it's hundreds of years old. I think it was written in like the 50s or the 60s. But anyway, I had trouble with it when I was younger. I don't have a lot of patience. So Skywalker on Dune, he think it was pure torture. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of sand. There's sand going on. <laughs> the Easton pour, you rub your face grease on the phone. Perfect. It helps if you have face grease. Although everyone has face grease. Oh, I just gave them an uh, advertisement. Alehorn. Not sponsored. <laughs> but you know, the people that love Dune really love it. They get super into it. And it's like, it's kind of the same thing with Lord of the Rings. It's got to hit that sweet spot with you. And I've, but I've never picked it up. So I don't actually know. I've just, from people whose tastes I agree with, generally they tell me it is really hard to get into. It moves very slowly. And the writing's just like, like for, for better or for worse, Song of Ice and Fire moves literary wise. The chapters are quick. Actions happen quick, chapter to chapter. It kind of slows down for a feast for crows, but it is it is a fast read. Or like the expanse. The expanse is a really fast read. It just it just hooks you and keeps you throughout it. So yeah. Ooh, Kristen Shacoin has a watermelon and lime cider. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. I just remembered something. I just remembered something about about Kristen. I've been meaning to do this for a few weeks. Too early to drink coffee for me. I have coffee too, because I stayed up half the night playing Rocket League. So I have a shandy and a coffee because I'm insane. Emma having three bottles of cider. Oh, is England playing in the um, in Euro today? Getting ready for them to lose by somebody. What was it? Missing a slow uh, a slow goal like went right between their hands. <laughs> oh, so uh, the thing about Kristen is that she lives in England and she went to Dunstanborough Castle in England. And the reason she went here is because there's a real town in England. Actually, if you guys want to take a look, there's a real town in England called Craster. And there's a whole bunch of heaps there and castles and stuff like that. So on a on a uh, I guess a day outing, she went out there and, and looked at the real Craster's keep and sent me a postcard. Can I read this? Yes, I can. I hope this co this postcard finds you well. Thank you for all your videos and live streams. They have made lockdown much more bearable. Don't stop what you're doing. Stay safe. You're friendly Canuck. So that was actually really cool. Somebody went to go find the real Craster's keep and sent me a postcard from it. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, Craster's just this like um, this little touristy town in uh, northern England. So one of the things I think people that gets underrated about A Song of Ice and Fire is that it is literally like England and Scotland and Ireland all mashed together because George went on a vacation there and he tells this anecdote about how he stood on top of Hadrian's wall. That's where he got the idea for the giant ice wall. But he went on a whole vacation. He went to a whole bunch of touristy traps and that kind of thing. So I in the past, I suggested that maybe Craster's Keep was because he went to the real town of Craster because it's a tourist trap. And just sort of held on to the name. Uh, super chat here for two from Bo B. Love your videos. Thank you. Ten dollars. Ooh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that that's that Kristen. It goes by Kristen B in the Slack, but I pronounced my last name in the English Wayne and when Wayne? Wayne? Is it French? It probably is. You can't tell the goddamn worst at pronunciating thing. Like I may have offended. Oh wait, no. <laughs> no idea on the football. Just day drinking for funsies. Hey, who amongst us? 
who amongst us has not had a fun day drink? I'll be having those on a dock with sunglasses on like in the uh, thumbnail. Although I probably won't wear the hat in the robe. Probably not. Well, maybe I should because my dermatologist will kill me if I don't. Oh, I want to say thank you. Um, Sorry, I missed these up front. $15 from Morley. Thank you, Joe. Enjoy your time off. Loves and hugs. And $10, 10 pounds from Ramona Zamfir. Thank you guys very much. Really appreciate it. And there was a PayPal from Danny McKay early on with his typical happy Saturday. And so thanks a lot, Danny. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, it is French. Chiquan. I did take French. I didn't do well in it. England's going to lose in the year. Jeremy's going to go the whole way. Believe it. A pink guava IPA, sweet cherry sour ale and a Belgian triple and a black currant ale. Urias Tosh, I would go with the Belgian triple. Those others sound adventurous, but I am a I am a sucker for Belgian beers, uh, especially Belgian ales. That's my thing. Oh, got a few more uh, super chats coming in. Hans Hans Testa, five CHFs, whatever those are. What would you do if you're transporting the Song of Ice and Fire universe? How would you use your knowledge to survive or get rich or powerful? I think the answer for what would any of us do if we were transported to the Song of Ice and Fire universe is is be Samwell Tarly. Basically, that would be your fate. Shukwan. Got it. Don't worry. I got it. I got there, Aaron. Uh, yeah, you'd be Samwell Tarly. You would be terrified and almost die a lot, and it would be the worst. <laughs> no, Nobody should want to be in the Song of Ice and Fire universe. It's a terrible place. It's dangerous. There's, like, slavers, and it's feudalism, which is the goddamn worst. Like the idea that you could you could jump into a fantasy feudalism and like do anything is like just not going to work. There's no capitalism. There's no upward mobility. You could be this. You're like your best use case might be like Varus. I think that's the example of a commoner that has gone at the highest or you could be Davos. So Davos or Varus, I choose one. <laughs> but most of the time it would be God, it would be terrible. Just the worst. Don't go to a Song of Ice and Fire. Song of Ice and Fire is the worst. Live in. A fun read, though. Oh, I see uh, Curtis Franks did not like Dune, but you fell in love with Lord of the Rings last month. Is that because Booth has been applying his trade to it? Because he does do a really good job of his understanding of, of Lord of the Rings, I think is more interesting than Lord of the Rings. I'm going to be honest here. His way of explaining things and analyzing them and pulling out meaning and stuff like that. I think is I think it's more entertaining than actually reading them. But then again, I'm a heathen. So what do I know? My chat's low? Might be. Oh yeah, who are you guys rooting for in the the Euro? I think the the correct answer. Well, actually, I I usually go because I don't really have anybody. I don't have any connections really to Europe and uh, European soccer or anything like that. Like I'm not a diehard soccer guy. So like when these things come out uh, or even the World Cup, I usually go by my heritage, basically. So like by known known countries I'm related, I'm related to, especially after the U.S. gets knocked out inevitably. So I root for the U.S. first, and then Ireland, then Germany, then England. That's generally how it goes. Luckily, Germany is really good, so go Germany. Hope you guys win it. Also, yes, go Bruins. But they're not they're not in the Euro. They got knocked out. <laughs> I know, I know. There's a lot of people that like Lord of the Rings, and it's like their favorite thing. But I, th I have a theory about Lord of the Rings. I think a lot of people like Lord of the Rings a lot because they got into it when they were younger. And so it kind of has a lot of nostalgia for them. It was like the first fantasy world they went into. So that's kind of the, the one that they latch onto throughout their lives. Whereas for me, I didn't like it when I was younger. So I don't, I think it's, I think it's a good story and I enjoy reading them. The movies are cool too. It's just like, it doesn't hold a special place in my heart. Lord of the Rings is for linguists. Cunning linguists. Don't care about these sports. Ah, bummer. Oh, well, uh, I haven't been watching Euro though. I should go oh, after this. Probably not while I'm on stream. Probably shouldn't just turn on soccer or football. Ilias G, where your vacation go, just entered. 
where would you be going again? Well, I'm just taking a couple of weeks off from work. And I'm going to spending a week of it up at a, a lake house up in New Hampshire that we, we rented. That'll be, that'll be nice and relaxing. You're going to be basically doing nothing. <laughs> no content or anything like that. No, I'm going to barely be online. Probably I'm just going to be trying not to get sunburned. I'm scrolling up and down wildly in my chat. So I may be getting the things a lot later. Dune is for master debaters. Yeah, they, yep. Sounds right. <laughs> Oh yeah, thanks Marley. I uh, slammed the like button. I guess I'm not. I'm not doing like uh, any sort of like my normal shticks basically today. I, I can just put on the hat if I feel like it. I'm not trying to. This is not a stream that's like I'm trying to get a lot of views or anything. We're just having a good time today. Nostalgia uh, is definitely a factor for Lord of Rings. Yeah, I, I really think so. Like a lot of the times you hear people talk about it, it is definitely. I think a common experience is actually like a parent or someone like that read them Lord of the Rings when they were younger. And so that kind of, because that's what it was designed to do. Like The Hobbit was a children's story. It was written by Tolkien read to his kids. And Lord of the Rings itself is pretty PG. I think it's almost G in some cases. Like there's very little blood, no sex. It's, 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 I think it's probably get rated R for the movies, but you can probably call it PG or PG 13. It's, it's pretty low. So in that sense, a lot of parents read it to their kids, kind of like they, um, I'm sure with our generation or my generation, a lot of people got read Harry Potter when they were kids. So that didn't happen to me. Nobody read me Lord of the Rings. So I tried to pick it up in middle school. It just didn't work. Oh, hey, Mary. Oh, Mary was, uh, <laughs> Mary's very excited about the, I was like, very excited about dying of the light and spammy a whole bunch of questions this morning. I'm sorry, Mary. I didn't, I was, I took a nap and then I'm drinking some shandies. So I have not gotten around to talking to you about dying of the light, but she's very excited about that. Oh, by the way. So that's starting this month. It technically started last month. I did the introduction to the thousand worlds uh, talking about the double war and where like the general timeline of George's thousand worlds content, his sci-fi series. I don't know if it's serious. It's just like it's a collection of random stories that happen to be loosely connected. Anyway, so I did that last month. This month, I'll be doing introduction to it, an actual introduction to Dying of the Light in particular, and then chapter one. Um, chapters two and three will be out next. Month. Yeah, I got to get reading on that one. I haven't actually picked it up yet. I have it. Actually, somebody sent me on Twitter. Like It has just like the worst romance novel cover I've ever seen. This one's like really bizarre. What What is this? George. What, what does this mean? Why is this the cover of your sci-fi story? Why is there a guy, I think he's looking through a brick wall, like rainbows behind him? But what is this? Also, I love the right across here, the terrible cover design of just like rams into the thing up here. Oh, by the way, it's by George R. R. Martin. It's called Dying of the Light. But by the way, pay attention to the guy looking through, looking through the window of the bricks. I don't know what this has to do with this with dying of the light at all. It's a sci-fi story about a guy going to a planet because his girlfriend called him or something like that. This is I think this is just generic art. Like actually, if you look at the early Game of Thrones, like the actual Game of Thrones covers, some of them are truly bizarre. One of them is not is like sort of Jon Snow, but not really. Wait, is this maybe this is sign? <laughs> No, it's not. 1977. I don't know what you're doing, George. Right, right there. I think he did a lot of drugs and said, yes, that one. Guilty Undertaker says, of all the delicious sounding feats of A Song of Ice and Fire, what would you most like to intend? It's so, I think it's, I think the correct answer here, there's a lot of good feasts, but some of them are kind of ruined. Like, I honestly think the Frey Pies feast sounds delicious, but you'd have to be a cannibal. Like, could you like, <laughs> could you ask the wait staff like, no Frey my pie, please. Just Frey free if if that would be okay. Oh, I missed some super chats. Hang on a second. I'll answer this one, then I'll get back to them. Otherwise, that pie sounds delicious. It's a great pie. That's like some Redwall shit right there. See here. 
There's some wedding feasts. I think the best one is probably the harvest feast, the one that Brand presides over. Yeah, the Winterfell harvest feast. There you go. I think that's the best one. But honestly, it's like, yeah, uh, put the fray on the side and I'll have everything else that was served at the by Wyman Wanderley. All right, so $5 from Greg Martin. Actually, two of them. Do you think John will get Euron's Valyrian steel armor? No, probably not. They are so far away from each other. I, don't, I, I tend to think that that dream, I talked about that in the Lady Stoneheart video I did, we're talking about how John's on the wall and he's in an armor of ice and he's got flaming swords and he's killing everybody. I think that's George kind of making fun of the fantasy genre in general and how it's kind of assumed by by the end of the story, the hero is going to get all the magical artifacts and they're going to have all the things. He's going to have Dawn. He's going to have Valyrian steel. He's going to have all these. He's going to have a glass candle in the other hand. He's going to be wielding his way through stuff. I'm like, I, I don't really think so. Like George has just given John Longclaw. He doesn't have either half of ice. He doesn't have Dawn. I, I don't think it will happen. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's kind of stuff like uh, world of Warcraft kind of creeping in to the fantasy in a way. That, yeah, that everyone expects by the end of it, characters will have the coolest of cool things, all the artifacts, all the magical things, and that will make them be able to do the thing. Probably not. <laughs> uh, does Euron have Valyrian still armor or is it just an illusion? No, he probably has it. If he didn't get it on Valyria by having one of his mutes run into the run into Valyrian grab it, then he probably stole it from, I don't know, from being a pirate. The Red Wedding is the worst. Why was the food bad at the Red Wedding? Oh, yeah, they did have pigeon pie. I've never had pigeon. I don't know about that one. The other one here from Greg Martin. So, oh, so you, the first one didn't have a message. Second one, I was off on a tangent. I'm sorry about that, buddy. Appreciate the uh, super chats, though. Ray al dente. But just no fray for me. Can I, can I? I have a substitution. Will that offend the chef if I change out my fry? Cave lawyer. <laughs> I don't know. I I I don't foresee with a song of ice and fire that what John is missing is uh some kind of magical MacGuffin to defeat the others. He's we've been told already that Valyrian steel basically works or obsidian. We've seen it happen. So I don't see the purpose other than just like making it look cool, I guess, that he would uh, George is gonna make part of John's journey. He needs to go on like these pilgrimages to find these super magical objects. And I don't think that's going to happen for him. Eve Maester Mary. Oh, toenails. Gross. Gross. Although I do. I did used to bite my te my toenails when I was a kid. So Emma. Emma Smith is going to go ahead and eat fray pies. All right. Cool. 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 Super chat here from Joanne Evans. Five dollars. Thank you so much. What if John was a Sharon Brandon's son and Danny was Rhaegar and Lyanna's son? Sounds like some cool fan fiction, basically. I, I don't have a lot of patience for like baby swap theories or like Brandon plus a Shara or anything like that. I know they're popular in the fandom and stuff like that. You know, our LJ is pretty, pretty much confirmed at this point. Um, sorry. <laughs> Uh, a lot of them, I think, I honestly, I do think that a lot of those theories are basically bordering on fan fiction in the sense that they're like trying to write a new story within A Song of Ice and Fire. That's basically like a, cr a good creative act, like taking what you know and then like writing it to this other point using the characters and universe you love. Like that's a great creative exercise. I just don't think like those are true theories and, you know, they're kind of separated at that point. But I know a lot of people that like them. They make for good theory videos and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Paul Daskal, the baby swap theory is all over the place. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of baby swap theories. If there's a character in A Song of Ice and Fire, you can bet that there's somebody that has a theory that they are secretly somebody else. I think one of the one of the funnier things I've seen about like the idea that Danny's act is actually a Shardane's daughter 
is that her name, if you sound it out, means Dane Eris. I'm like, oh my God, come on. There's no way. What does that even mean? The Danes are not royal. They lost their crowns like thousands of years ago. But you're going to go live in the Torrentine? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, super chat here from uh, San Rixian. Who is the best direwolf to defend myself? Uh, the best direwolf is obviously Ghost. And the reason for it is that he is the best flute boy. And you give him the good scritches and he really likes it. He's also incredibly smart to the point that I think he's smarter than John. I wrote a theory about that once where I was like, how smart is Ghost compared to John? And... Ghost pretty regularly tries to get John out of jams and like out of his own bullshit. Also that I think Ghost is probably a skin changer too. So, I mean, he's a good floofy boy. He's got that beautiful white coat, those cool red eyes. He looks like a weirwood. He gets the most screen time, I think, of any direwolf at this point. So hashtag Ghost. <laughs> Ghost is the best. A super chat from $5 from Chelsea Fletcher. What is your favorite mystery in a song of ice and fire? Who is your least favorite POV character? All right. All right. Let's do this. Uh, my favorite mystery in A Song of Ice and Fire. So I'm guessing you don't mean like theory mystery, like maybe like an actual mystery within the story. My favorite one is why is Jack in the black cells? I have put so much thought into trying to figure out what the hell George is doing with Jack in the black cells and then ending up in the cage with Arya. Like, how does this all fit together and that kind of stuff? Uh, I talked about it in my previous live stream that I think I'm going to make a video on it. I think I have an answer. But that one is just like, what the hell are you doing, man? Another good one is who killed Septon Moon. That's a fun one. Like a, uh, Fire and Blood is basically half murder mystery novel. So you can, those would be my picks. Uh, least favorite POV. Ooh, I do need a dog. That's correct, Sanorexian. Okay, least favorite POV. I'm going to put this in terms of POV I don't like reading rather than uh, POV like the, the character I don't like. I think the POV that I liked reading the least. I think I'm gonna have to pull up a list for this one. <laughs> well, Aaron's Summer Hall's not a mystery anymore. I solved it. So, you know, yes, I guess that's probably a good one too. Yeah, Summer Hall is a really good mystery. I guess I'm sort of thinking of it in, in mysteries in terms of things I don't have an answer for yet, if that makes any sense. Like, I think I, I, think I nailed Summer Hall. Just like, you know, <laughs> just being humble. Okay, so let's pull up the list of POVs. Mary, I saw your, I saw your thing. Hang on a second, I'll pull this out. Where is Daddy Crocodile? What the, what's Daddy Crocodile? Oh, Howlin' Reed? Yeah, he's around, I guess. Uh, so who's my least favorite POV? Looking through these, I'd probably say Barristan. He's he's just like aggressively dumb. <laughs> and I don't know, uh, the Miranese not and everything going on around Danny is like such has like such side plot vibes that it's like, oh, do I really want to know Barristan's POV on Miranese court politics? No, not really. Like, George, what are you doing? Please stop this. So, yeah, I think Barristan. I think Barristan's my least favorite POV. I actually don't mind like the one offs most of the time where the, the ones only have a few chapters. Like there, I think uh, Ario Hota has really good information, like trying to understand Dorn through his POV. Uh, $5 from Maester Mary. Thank you, Mary. Uh, favorite non-sci-fi or fantasy TV show. Bonus. Why is it so? Oh, I didn't think about the prologue. A Chet then. Chet's the worst POV. Chet. Chet wins. Uh, why is it similar to Song of Ice and Fire? So what is my favorite non-sci-fi or fantasy TV show? I don't actually watch that much TV, so that's kind of a tough one. Favorite? I have to look this one up. <laughs> Wait one second. I used to watch a lot more TV, but I don't really do that anymore. I actually don't have cable, so that kind of makes it hard. So you're probably Doctor Who is definitely sci-fi. Twin Peaks is really good. I, I like The West Wing a lot. Although you can kind of, it's really fantasy at this point, reading it. I mean, I'll watching it. Breaking Bad was good too. But maybe is Twin Peaks fantasy? I guess so. I guess that doesn't count. 
I don't know, Breaking Bad or West Wing are probably my favorites. Twin Peaks, if you allow it, but I'm pretty sure that counts as fantasy. Let me scroll up. What do we got here? I'm probably I've probably missed a bunch of stuff. LS your secrets. No, Christina. Okay. Hey, Matt, when's that much teased theory video coming out since it's an AMA? Not yet. It's it's not it's not a theory video. It's going to be an analysis video. Um, I'm still working on it. Still writing it. It's going to be it's something very different than what I normally do. So partially I'm I'm very anxious about it. So I'm like when I'm anxious about things, I tend to overdo the planning and working on them beforehand. So it's it's coming. It's just, I don't know, but not a theory video. It is related to A Song of Ice and Fire, though. Watch Letter Kenny. I don't know what Letter Kenny is. Have I seen Babylon 5? No, we were talking about, somebody was talking about uh, what, Farscape earlier. Nope. Have I read Berserk? No, I have not. What am I going to do in my summer vacation? A whole lot of nothing. I mean, I'm probably going to work on that, that video I was just talking about a little bit, but I'm not going to be doing any streaming, taking a week off to go hang out up at a lake and do some day drinking of shanties and stuff like that. So what that video is probably going to be like, think, let me put this in terms of YouTubers, think like YouTubers, like folding ideas, H bomber guy, a little bit like philosophy too, but not really. It's just keeping up with, it's not really a philosophy in it. So yeah, probably more like somewhere between like folding ideas and H bomber guy. That's kind of what I'm, I'm trying something different. If you haven't seen them. Those, those are two great YouTubers. Uh, folding ideas is a guy from... British Columbia, I think, uh, near Calgary. He makes a lot of film videos and that kind of thing. But he also does just kind of like random stuff. And H Bomber guys all over the place. <laughs> Have I got any Duncan Egg stuff in the works? In the kind of? I'm going to be working more on the Duncan the Strong thing. Sure. Not anything upcoming. That's that's a little bit down in the... Oh, Alberta. I'm sorry. I don't know Canada that well. Yeah, if only ideas is really good. Scroll up. Austin Flowers is a broken horde. Need a reed to work. Will Don have to break to end the long night? So I, I don't really, I don't think we have enough information about the horn of winter to say one way or another what will make it work at this point. We know from Dragon Binder it just requires blood. If it's broken, then I, I don't really know. But George really loves the idea of fire and blood play, paying for magic. So I would be my guess. Will Don have to break? Or to end the long night. No, I, I don't I don't think Don's like gonna have a big like part of Song of Ice and Fire. Like I imagine it's gonna end up that Gerald Dane <laughs> steals it and maybe it gets returned in the end. I don't think it has a, a large part to play. So cool. Lawyers can't save the phrase. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, they have it coming. So what was the question? Which Song of Ice and Fire character is most in need of a good lawyer? Probably Cersei. Cersei needs good lawyers. He doesn't have them. He's the one. I think Cersei objectively has the most like quote unquote legal troubles in the Song of Ice and Fire. Everyone else is like can run away, but she's kind of trapped by being in the bureaucracy of King's Landing. Nowhere for her to go at this point. So she's got to figure out a way to get out of her jam. Unfortunately, I think by lawyers, I think it's going to be pyromancers. But, you know, that's how it goes. The phrase uh, don't need. Yeah, the phrase don't need lawyers. They need uh, bodyguards. They are deadsies. Hashtag dead. Very, very dead. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Check out Folding Ideas and H Bomber Guy on YouTube. They're both really, really good YouTubers. I was I've been watching a lot of their stuff for the last few months. I got inspired and wanted to do something kind of like they do. Although pro I probably will not be putting an axe through a wall and saying anything about Aquaman. <laughs> see here. If I'll real fast. <laughs> Firemancers are like fire lawyers, aren't they? Lawyers of fire? Why is Learned Hands not lawyers of ice and fire, Mary? Why is that not it? <laughs> Learned Hands is good, but I mean, come on. Come on. I guess it's so that you are not locked into a song of ice and fire content. I guess. Thinking about it seriously for like half a second. Anime lover Nicole, do you think we're going to see a Tower of Joy in the books in real time? Yes, I do. I think we'll see it through Arya Hota's eyes that Gerald Dane will be there and... 
possibly Ned Dane. We're going to recreate the seven against three duel at the Tower of Joy. Darkstar is going to, or in the Starfall, he's going to steal Dawn, going to run towards Ariane, and the Stormland's going to get caught at the Tower of Joy. Because Clint took it, you're, you're, you're doing a podcast with him. Give him the sign over the rights. Come on. Just trick him. Tell him it's like a, a contract to get him to get like free burritos, something like that. He'll do it. <laughs> Ketchup and chips, my life. <laughs> yeah, Dane Bull at the Tower of Joy. Uh, I wrote that theory a long time ago, probably like three, four years ago at this point. But I think it makes sense. George really loves the idea of uh, reshuffling names and characters into the same situation, but just changing them a little bit each time. Kind of like how Robert is Aegon the Fourth. Like they're the same character. It's just they're being reshuffled in weird ways. Another five dollars from Greg Martin. Thank you so much, Greg. Any thoughts on Tyrek Lannister? He's dead, isn't he? Pretty sure that's it. I think the null hypothesis on Tyrek is that he's just dead. There has been, I know there's theories that Varys has him because he's gonna try and use these and try and use Tyrek to make a claim to the Westerlands or something for Aegon, or like to create a claimant that challenges Cersei in some way or I don't really know I'm pretty sure he's just dead <laughs> but I don't know I mean I'm here to be surprised that's definitely one of um George's seeds that he planted will he will he harvest it will he turn it into something else I don't know it's hard to say because he's kind of running out of time for a lot of these things to develop into plot lines so if he's gonna do it, it's gonna have to be quick and like meaning is it gonna be meaningful in some way I'm not really sure Aaron says what where is my preferred chip flavor I assume we're talking about potato chips and not chips in like a French fry kind of way. Uh, we're not talking about the English chips, right? We're talking about uh, potato chips. My favorite flavors are ooh, there's a, there's a particular one for for Cape Cod potato chips. Those are my favorite ones. They have where is it? Where are you, delicious bastards? <laughs> Crisps. Yeah, that's it. So my favorite from Cape Cod are the sweet mesquite barbecue chips and the and the honey and Dijon mustard kettle chips. Those are my favorite ones. So yeah, sweet mesquite barbecue and honey Dijon mustard chips. Those are my favorites from Cape Cod. I like their kettle chips more than I like um the regular ones. Honest. Kettle chips are just the best. Oh, what kind of coffee did I get? Oh, I'm basic. I'm real basic with uh, what I order from coffee uh, places. This is a this is just a basic iced coffee with what did I put in it with a French vanilla flavor swirl or whatever. Less ice. And then I actually like that that uh, cold foam stuff they recently put in. And when I got home, they didn't they didn't they put in, didn't put enough flavoring. Oh, with oat milk. Uh, so I added a little bit of creamer from the house. But that's it. I basically just like my coffee to not taste like coffee. So however I accomplish that. Mice and fire theories. Yes, that's true. Half serious. It's full serious. I think it's very serious about that. I, I don't like the taste of coffee. I I really don't. But I don't get a lot of sleep all the time. So I need to wake up. So coffee's how I do it. <clears throat> Worcestershire flavored chips. What the hell? Why? Why would you flavor them like steak? What? What are you doing, England? <laughs> England. What the hell? Emma, explain this. Or uh, Ramona, if you're here. Let's see here. Oh, $10 from Stormy400. Can't read today, apparently. Sheep act as symbolic human sacrifices to others and dragons in the books. Knowing this, is the skull Danny kicked off Little Dragonstone really that of a sheep or might have been that of a human kicked off from Little Dragonstone? When did she do that? Am I am I forgetting something? Skull Danny kicked off Little Dragonstone really that of a sheep. What's Little Dragonstone? Does anybody know what this army? What do you mean? <laughs> What's Little Dragonstone? Do you mean like where Drogon's been nesting? Is that like where he is in the Dothraki Sea where he has like all those like burned bodies and stuff? like that oh yeah sanrixian recently started going to dungan for the first time former uh starbucks barista who has taken the plunge and had a dunkin latte the hill she's on. okay so that's 
okay so i'm thinking of the same thing i didn't know that was called little dragonstone i've never heard that before so i think it's highly likely that drogon has been killing and eating people and i also i had a theory no a stream a while back i think with like emmett and michael where we were talking about the relationship of human sacrifice to dragons where i suggested that the reason that targaryens may have been so eager to make bastards with the fisher folk around dragonstone is that they use them as blood sacrifices to use king's blood but not their children to use the bastard children like maybe there's a pile of like baby skeletons underneath dragonstone or something like that yeah i think it's hugely possible i don't see any reason a dragon wouldn't eat a person and drogon's basically nobody's controlling him at this point so yeah i would i would guess that's probably true i mean we know that she drogon killed hazea i think is her name hang on a second yeah he kills the little girl so we know that he's got a taste for human blood yeah the dragon seeds the dragon seeds may have been a way around the idea of like magical blood creates magical effects well maybe you just create some kids you don't care about that and just essentially harvest them in some terrifying way because the valyrians did horrifying things so i don't think it would really be that off the off the reservation so to speak for them an entire i actually read something about them that was really interesting that i'd forgotten about that valyria essentially had this like lava going through the streets and the dragon lords all lived in these uh tall towers and they would just fly from one to the other or use bridges danny calls it dragonstone okay i totally forgot that one sorry about that that's my it's my ignorance at play. Yeah, I think there may be a whole pile of children's bones underneath Dragonstone somewhere. Although they may be turned to ash at this point, so you wouldn't really know. <clears throat> There's no Duncan except right by my children's school, my office. Sure. I have Dunkin' Donuts within a mile of me. I think I live in Massachusetts. I actually just have, I have choice. I have massive amounts of choice. It's like, hmm, which gas station or a full restaurant Dunkin' Donuts do I want to go to today? be most convenient there's no yum i'm sorry just there's no yummy flavored coffee at dungan donuts <laughs> their coffee does not taste good damon does suck i agree mary i don't know what the context here is but damon sucks read hashtag damon sucks wait worcestershire sauce is a fish sauce i know it as the sauce that we put on steak i i submit there's no good fast food coffee there's a really good uh coffee bar in my town but it takes a little while to get anything so you kind of have to have time in the mornings and the reason i usually buy coffee is because i don't have enough time so it's like this right sweet spot of I don't have coffee at my house. I want it. I don't, but I'm, I don't have enough time to make it. You no, know, I'm usually running late anyway. <laughs> Let's see, here. you read a Song of Ice and Fire fanfic. And if you do, what's your favorite? I've read the one I remember the most is actually, this one's hard to track down, but she's probably not going to be happy. But uh, Shakespeare of Thrones, she wrote a Brienne fanfiction and it's actually really good. I read it the whole way through. I don't think she published it under her name. So I'm not going to link it or anything, but I did read that one. And uh, Shakes is a pretty good writer, as it turns out. And she has ideas about Brienne, let me tell you. But then again, I'm also a Reddit mod. I, I'm a moderator for the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. So I basically read a lot of theories that are actually much closer to fan fiction in, in terms of like, I don't mean in terms of like believable, like some people use fan fiction as a way to insult theories. It's like, oh, this is just fan fiction. I mean, in terms of like what they're trying to do with the stuff that they're writing. Like a lot of them are not like really trying to prove anything. They're just writing what they would like A Song of Ice and Fire to be like. And um, some of them get really into narratives. Some of them actually write lines and scenes and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, this is this is a lot closer to fan fiction in terms of like what you're writing, any kind of like persuasive essay or fan theory or anything like that. <laughs> 
I don't know. Ask Shakes. Maybe she'll send you it. I I doubt it. It's it's not under her name. It's not under. I don't think it's under Shakespeare Thrones or her real name. So yeah, it's pretty good though. But yeah, when I say when I say things are like fan fiction, I don't mean it as an insult. I mean it like it's yeah, Isabel Lamego. I love transformative work. It's transformative. It's it's not what George is doing, but that it's it's also it's something different. But it's also creative. So it is not an insult. Some folks do use it that way though, which is wrong, and there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't. I don't particularly like fan fiction myself. <laughs> uh, Greg Martin says, besides Hodor, what other strong descendants do you think are still active? Oh tons tons crowfoot's daughter had a post a while ago i think on the on the song of ice and fire wiki forums this is actually where i read that thing and i it like blew my mind away and i started talking to her and that's where we started coming up with the dunk and the strong stuff so characters that are probably strongs as in like house strong relatives coming from Lucamore or possibly dunk so it'd be brienne ren baby small paul odor possibly the Cleganes. There's also literally a Duncan Strong that's in the Golden Company, so perhaps. Obviously, Brienne. I think I already said her. Oh, who else? It's like anyone that's described as like as an Orox or as thick as a castle wall or something like that. George, as like his use of Jamie calling Brienne uh, a cow, I think he calls her that, is like he's just he's using the same Orox or thick as a castle wall thing that he used for Dunk, but he's changing the gender. And so. Oh, God, I'd have to look it up. But there's if you think about how many children they had, I mean, I think probably the Baratheons were strongs through through Lucamore, the Lusty's kids that ended up at Storm's End. Uh, a bunch of them ended up at Hall. probably still some in King's Landing. Obviously, we have Duncan. Yeah, a Gren at the Night's Watch. Not just well, not necessarily only just tall people. There's there's usually language cues to it. But tall does help. That is kind of a, a thing. But you know, not all the Strongs were super tall. Obviously, you have Laris, the clubfoot, but the rest of them were pretty huge. You have Harwin, you have Lionel, you have Lucamore. These guys were all pretty big. Possibility of a secret Strong might be, hey, this is something we'll get from the hot D, as it were. But if Jace and Sarah Snow had anything, that could be something. Yeah, there's a thing with the Baratheons where... They were not described as particularly massive until after Lucabor. And then George put it in Fire and Blood that some of Gamora's bastard children were sent to Storm's End. And it's like, that was one of those things when Amanda read it and I read it. And we were just like, holy shit, he did it. He just confirmed that one. I want to make sure I got the locations right. So some went to Bywin Strong of Hall, Damon Valarian of Driftmark, and then the Baratheons of Storm's End. Some went to the Night's Watch and some went to probably stayed in King's Landing. So... I haven't actually looked into the Valarions in terms of like how, if any of them might be related to Lucamore at this point, but definitely anyone around Harrow Hall, the Night's Watch, that's literally where Lucamore went with the, some of his kids. So those are some good possibilities there. I don't think uh, Shakespeare Thrones watches these, but sorry if I blew your cover, <laughs> Lauren. I didn't give it away though. I didn't give you the. I didn't give anyone the title. I didn't give anyone the link. It just exists. A brand fanfic. <laughs> uh, Mary says, I admit my one show theory is basically this. I have no regrets. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to be regretful about. Like fan fiction's a totally normal part of interacting with fiction. George is writing fan fiction basically for a lot of his early work. He just changes the names enough so that it's like not super obvious. But then once you learn what he's copying, it's like, oh, OK, so you're just writing Lovecraft fan fiction. You're just writing fan fiction from who's his other one from Jack Vance or someone like that. It's normal. It happens all the time. And most people get their start. That's why everyone copies Lord of the Rings. Oh, there's anchovies and Worcestershire sauce. My life is a lie. Ah, gross. I don't like hearing that. <clears throat> Uh, let me grab some from uh, some questions from Patreon and stuff like that. So Sarah Charles in the Patreon Slack, she asked, 
Matt, do you like yard work or just gardening? So those of you who don't know, I have a gardening YouTube channel. I used to post them on Twitter and Instagram. I just figured why not just make these into short videos, post them to YouTube. So it's called Growing Strong. And in that, I post updates on my vegetable garden that I have outside the house. So do I like yard work? or just gardening. I hate yard work. I was growing up. <laughs> uh, my mom is a prolific gardener. She has, she has always had, wherever she's lived, best garden on the block or several blocks or the town, wherever she goes. But keeping up with that much stuff means that she needed a lot of help. And so me and my brothers, being big, strong boys that we are, often got drafted for it. So like, if you're talking about like cutting the lawn, putting down um, mulch, being, helping her plant to like a thousand bulbs or anything like that, like I hate yard. It's my least favorite thing in the world, like dealing with leaves and stuff like that. But I really like gardening, in particular, like growing vegetables or like fruit or anything like that, because it's much more limited and it doesn't like take up literally your entire day. Although sometimes it can and you get something out of it at the end. I like I like growing crops because you get to eat them. It's not just aesthetics that you're doing this for. It's there's an actual there's a thing at the end you can have like um going to have like probably like 50 pounds of potatoes and those will be great. Lettuce, carrots, onions, strawberries, peas, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a definite start and end to it. <laughs> And you don't have to break your back in the middle of summer doing. So I hope that answers it for you, Sarah. I don't like yard work. I would never cut a blade of grass again in my life if I could. The gardening is really great. Although I think part of it is that it's just self-directed at this point. Like for me, yard work is chores. Gardening is a thing that I decided to do. Like I've been playing Stardew Valley quite a lot. It's just kind of like a, I don't know, there's a, there's a nice start, beginning and end to it, a reward at the end. I think that just worked really well. Although gardening is very frustrating as I have had all my problems with groundhogs. So, you know, there are ups and downs. 25 appeal in from the Kraken Queen. No questions. Thank you for the great content. Wish you a good rest during vacations. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to do something. I forgot to give away a shirt from the last video. I said, who do you think is the, give me your craziest tinfoil for who is a faceless man in a song of ice and fire. I don't know if they're here or hopefully you see it on the replay. I'll be reaching out to them. I'll leave a comment, but it's a user Dr. Sick note who said, obviously Mance Raider, who is also Rhaegar. That's why he can disguise, disguise himself so well as Engel assassinating blood Raven, beautiful faceless men, tinfoil. So yeah, uh, that, so I'm going to be sending you a link to my threadless shop so you can get yourself a free t-shirt. So good tinfoil buddy. Uh, yeah, Stardew Valley is really relaxing and it doesn't have groundhogs. You don't have to worry about bugs. You don't have to worry about birds except for bows and stuff like that. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I've been getting pretty good into Stardew Valley. It's a fun game. A lot of fantasy in it. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Sikno. Oh, actually, Curtis Ranks, you're in the chat. I sent out your the book for you the other day, so that should be arriving early next week. <laughs> groundhogs are vermin so let's grab another question from patron i just opened up steam by accident don't update anything holy shit close 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 okay good i was trying to click on something uh so a question here from eric ferg he says the ned we see in the story doesn't seem like anyone that would have ever been best friends with robert while robert was fathering bastards going to prostitutes etc was ned a lot different then or is it that mostly that robert's flaws were less prominent and tolerable so <laughs> i i posted a i retweeted a thread yesterday i posted in the patron slack talking about the idea that perhaps ned had more than brotherly affection for robert baratheon now, there's a bunch of quotes about it but basically like for instance the quote that robert was muscled like a maiden's fantasy 
comes from Ned's internal thoughts. There's also some some other quotes along those lines. Saw the king as he had been in the flower of his youth, tall and handsome, his great antlered helm on his head, his war hammer in hand, sitting his horse like a horned god. He heard his laughter in the dark, saw his eyes, blue and clear as mountain lakes. Now, that is... If somebody wrote that about me, I would assume they were in love with me. And in fact, I do get YouTube comments along those lines sometimes and I try to ignore them. But yeah, so it appears that Ed has some interesting memories of Robert Baratheon. Uh, I don't know what the, the ship name is. Oh, is it Nedbert? Yes. Or Rob? No, that wouldn't work. Edard? No. Not Nobert? I'm not really sure. So anyway, there's been a rising suggestion in the fandom for quite a few years that perhaps... Ned's fondness of Robert is more than just being friends. Like these are just the quotes that he George wrote that Ned thinks about for Robert. So anyway, if you if you wanted to take this in a non sort of theory method, I think it's a fairly common thing that happens when people are growing up that you are friends with the people around you and you tend to forgive character flaws as you know, you've known them for years and you're good friends and stuff like that. And you have something that bonds you. And as you grow older, that see the flaws in that person more and more and more. And with Robert, they just got magnified by being, not only becoming king, but by after Miana's death. And they just they they were already there, but they went to like 11. And now they actually matter. Now they're actually like dangerous character flaws for a king. So it's one like somebody can have some some scruples and character flaws when they're when they're just your friend and you're running around and you're you know entering tourneys and stuff like that. It's a different thing when they're in charge of an entire kingdom, that kind of thing. Plus, you can't really overstate the trauma that Robert's Rebellion had on both of them, and in terms of seeing each other in a totally different like like for instance, one one of the breaking points for Ned was when Robert excused the murder of uh, Rhaenys and Aegon in order to secure his throne. So, you know, people you liked when you were younger can end up disappointing you. I think that's probably what's going on there. Hey, I had a serious answer. <laughs> now, I, the the idea, I guess, of Ned Bird or whatever the name of the ship is, is I don't think it's pretty clear that if Ned had those feelings, he never acted on them. But those are some, those are, those are quotes. Those are quotes. Those are those are the kind of th thoughts that like Cersei has about Rhaegar, like on that level of remembering someone's physical beauty. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe Ned's really into aesthetics, but I, I don't I'm probably not what's going on there. <clears throat> Although also one thing that probably bonded them is that Robert is a lot like Ned's older brother, Brandon. So when he got separated from his family, Robert's an easy person to latch on to because it's like, Oh, I'm still here. I still have somebody that's like my brother again. So I'm not completely on my own in the veil. I have like Brandon 2.0. <laughs> is wait, Emma, are you saying Arthurian romance is homoerotic? Okay. All right. There we go. I don't know if Ned's bi or anything, but he seems like into Robert, but young Robert. So <laughs> Ned's horny thoughts. Yeah, these are these are these are some horny thoughts about Robert. So Sasuke in this patron Slack said, What's your favorite thing about Victorian? My favorite thing about Victorian is that he is so Victorian is very, very stupid, obviously, but he's so stupid in the story that he almost serves as like comic root. It's amazing. Everything goes over his head. He's like, what's his name? Hang on a second. He's like Drax the Destroyer. Like he, he would say like nothing would go over my head. I would catch it. He is next level dumb. And I think for that, George actually uses him as like 
unintentional comedic relief within the story. Of course, the things they're talking about are not funny because A Song of Ice and Fire is not like meant to be a comedy in of itself. But it's hard not to read him saying he's going to sail the Dothraki Sea or taking Dragonbinder and rubbing it with blood going horn 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 and not go like what are you doing so that's my favorite thing about him he's ju- he's just funny in a horrifying way though because george writes horrifying characters <laughs> victoria doesn't understand anything and I-, I think he's probably played for comedic effect too like especially like his conversation with euron <laughs> those are like two ships passing in the night euron's talking about like all these other things and victorian is just like sitting going like I don't understand anything that's happening, but I'm angry about it. <laughs> that would be uh that's my favorite thing about him. Otherwise, it's not much to like. He's like he's a murderous dick. He's kills people just for funsies. He's going to kill a lot more people in Marine just because he wants to. He believes in the whole assault wife thing that's pretty terrible. Like Victorian's a bad person, but he's he's funny within the story. Of course, I think if you called Victorian funny, he'd probably choke you out and throw you into the water. So that's Victorian. <laughs> uh, Cracker Queen, what do you think of the Elaine Sansa plotline in Wins the Winner? That's what I'm really looking forward to. I wonder if George is going to have Sansa interact with Stoneheart. Because if the Knights of the Vale end up going north, they're going to have to go through the Riverlands. And Stoneheart is pretty near to the Trident, so they're going to have to pass by it. That's one thing I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to. If that will lead to Littlefinger getting his comeuppance. Like that, that Sansa now knows that Lysa was behind the War of the Five Kings from when Peter shoved her out the moon door. So at some point, she's going to put that together. And Stoneheart might be the one that would make Littlefinger pay for his crimes, basically. But there's also a lot of interesting stuff with Sansa. Like, is she, how is she going to deal with being outed, basically? Because it seems like a lot of people around her or you know she's Sansa Stark which how is she going to deal with Harry the heir and how he's basically Robert 2.0 and pretty much a shithead there's also the weirdness going on with the mad mouse and like is he gonna try and kidnap her that kind of stuff and I think because of the way the show is written I don't think there was a lot of Sansa's plot line from George that was put into it it seems like they kind of had to take two ends of string and make them go together. So kind of like Arya, I think there's a lot left to go that's going to make Sansa's POVs a lot more interesting and something to look forward to in the Winds of Winter, personally. <laughs> Emma Smith says, who is the himbo of Song of Ice and Fire? I mean, it's obviously Dunk, Extended Materials, but I'm trying to think of a himbo in the main series, Gren. Ooh, maximum himbo in a Song of Ice and Fire. Hmm, good one. Loras qualify? Like, I don't think anybody's ever accused Loras of being particularly smart. He's just kind of handsome and good with a sword, isn't he? Like, that's his whole thing. Just the Knight of Flowers, and that's kind of where his personality and everything else ends. I think Carl the Maids, he's supposed to be a, a himbo in Asha's eyes, right? That's how she treats him. Aris Oakheart, probably. <laughs> Doesn't seem like there's a lot going on between those years. Question. I mean, yeah, it's obviously Dunk in the extended materials. <laughs> Running Loras a himbo match made in heaven. Yeah, kind of. Robert, when he was young, obviously. I don't know. We don't see a lot of tourney nights in A Song of Ice and Fire. There aren't many tourneys going on because everything's horrifying. Sort of the thing that kind of happens during the peace times, as it were. Trying to run through the characters in my head real fast. This would be a thing for Micah Clark, the king of the minor characters. Brandon Stark, like, well, I think part of Himbo's being like pure, right? It's, it's not just being like a a big, handsome, kind of dumb guy. It's also that you have like really good morality. It's like a pure force in the world. I think that's how it goes. I don't know. I've heard different interpretations of that term, so it's hard to tell which one using. Well, I know in the show they had a uh, Hodor play that role when they'd revealed that he has like the world's biggest cock or something. <laughs> 
where Osho was like, oh my god, I guess he has giant blood. But yeah, I'm not really sure. Also, a question here from Patreon from Harley that a lot of people think the direwolves' names relate to the future of their corresponding Stark, but what did Grey Wind mean for Rob? So I assume this is a reference to something I don't get. This is like something from another story or another author, but it has the sound to it of like that it's like menacing in some way. That like a Grey Wind, I'm not really sure what it means. It sounds like something from another book or something from another like mythology or something like that. Something I that's just going over my head. I don't have a good answer on that one. The other ones seem pretty clear, like Shaggy dog for Rickon that a shaggy dog story is a story that goes nowhere Rickon's probably not gonna live and what's going on with him probably doesn't matter that much uh, ghost for John that he's gonna become undead lady for Sansa she's becoming lady obviously like a very superficial way like for the name to relate to that Nymeria for Arya that she's gonna become sort of like a warrior queen type of person brand for summer summer dies in order to bring about winter that kind of thing yeah it, it seems like they are just sort of like larger thematic hints to the storylines of the starks basically yeah sorry about that one i don't have a real good answer for it it does happen i know people like having me on their stuff and it's like throwing random questions sometimes i don't have much is lady living a second life in sansa yes i believe so Oh, I saw a question earlier from Melorine. You guys think Winds of Winter will be out Christmas 2020, 2022? Totally dying waiting to happen. What finds out next? Arcway Red was George was saying 2022 or 2023 due to his exhaustive new plan. Don't take any articles about when A Song of Ice and Fire is coming out seriously and has quotes from him, like direct quotes. When Winds of Winter is coming, he'll post it on Not a Blog. I don't know. I mean, there's always hope for this year, Christmas time. There, I think there's still time at this point if he if he got if he finished it and got it off to the publishers seem like it though so i don't know here's to next year i guess i i think the song of ice and fire game that has the lowest win rate is the one of people trying to guess from george from his um, public statements or his progress when he's gonna be finished everyone's wrong because his process is non-linear so off to say when we see it, it will be big, big news. It will be great. I don't, know, I, I don't spend a lot of a lot of my brain space basically thinking about it anymore because you know it will be here when it, when it's here. There's other books to read. <clears throat> oh, question here from uh, Maura Lee. She said, "What do you think we will learn in the prologue of the last two books? Uh, what characters would you like to see? Or information you feel you need to know in order to understand more about a major plot point? How the whole thing will conclude in the last book of Dream of Spring?" So we know the prologue of The Winds of Winter involves Jane Poole. I mean, no, not Jane Poole, Jane Westerling. George has said that, that she appears in it. So suggestion has been for a while that it's going to be an ambush on Jane Westerling's party that's bringing her back to Casterly Rock, I think. Some suggestions have been that it will be the Brother Without Banners attacking in order to interrogate Jane Westerling and her family or free them from the Lannisters. Although I'm not really sure how Stoneheart feels about Westerling. I would definitely be nervous for her if the Brotherhood takes care of them. But the other suggestion has been that Nymeria's wolf pack will attack, basically. Some of the other prologues have served to basically give us almost info dumps, like the Crescent prologue, Baramir prologue, the Game of Thrones prologue are essentially like fantasy lore drops for stuff you need to know what's going on. Varamir is a lot about skin changing and second lives and the relationship of skin changers to the Weirwoods and all that other kind of stuff. The Crescent prologue tells us a lot about Melisandre and, and stuff like that. Obviously, the Game of Thrones prologue gives us a lot about the others. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of fantasy that would be going on, though, with anything involving Jane Westerling at this point, unless you count a giant pack of wolves having something to do with that. Maybe it'll be like an, an allegory for the oncoming other invasion 
that that's kind of what it will be like. It's tough to say, but some of them aren't like that. Like, I don't think we got anything out of the Chet prologue, really. It was just him plotting to kill Sam and then the others attack and then it ends. So there wasn't a lot to that one. And did get some stuff out of the Pate prologue about like Danny and the dragons and how the Citadel feels about them. But that, that there's nothing there that you didn't know from the other books. So that's not really what's going on there. So... Yeah, that that's kind of a George usually uses them in some way to give us major info about an upcoming plot. So if the Winds of Winter prologue features Jane Westerling, I think that tells us that it's going to there's something that's going to be happening in the Riverlands and something to do with Stoneheart and Rob Stark in the coming books. Rob Stark coming back from the dead. But there's something there that he wants to tease the um the reader with some some information they don't have yet. That will be that'll be very important when it show up yeah i think the larger thematics of it is just going to be like the winds of winter itself like the the whites and the others attacking that sort of thing i don't know if it's a popular theory says zach but do you think nightmare's wolfpack is going to annihilate the phrase in the riverlands and the twins no but they'll probably kill a lot of people there's a lot of them like a few hundred wolves at this point so the next battle that happens in the riverlands will probably be overrun with wolves basically or at least characters like to see information oh i did okay so dream of spring pro like i i don't even know i i, I would have to read the winds of winter and be like what could he possibly need to drop in for a prologue for that book to give us information on? I don't even know what a Winds of Winter looks like at this point, so it's going to be hard to say. Uh, one suggestion, actually, Mikey Krizzles in the chat said, we got the, the five-year gap. We ended up with a 10-year plus gap. Well, you know, they, the idea, not like not what you're talking about, the idea that George has taken so long, but the he could still do a time jump in between the Winds of Winter and a Dream of Spring. He could do like a five or 10-year time jump if he feels like it. That's not off the table. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of time jump in the future but yeah roll back up so eric ferg he asks what was the narrative purpose of Tyrion's rape of the sex slave at the manson pentos uh narrative purpose is basically that Tyrion is embracing every worst impulse he has in himself that after the killing of tywin he's really embraced the idea that you know the i'm the monster you all think i am that he is the demon monkey the imp he's the worst person in the seven kingdoms so he's going to act like it so that's kind of what's going on there it's also sort of a revenge at shay that he's taking out his feelings of his feelings of betrayal at her even after killing her on this on this yeah on the slave in pento so yeah Tyrion's not in a good place Tyrion's just kind of being the goddamn worst at all times he feels like he's been betrayed in every way possible so what's the point in keeping up appearances anymore why not just do all the things he thinks all the things people think he does anyway of course you do see that kind of start to erode where he does feel like remorse guilt and he's like oh my god what's happening to me there's been some suggestion that danny may be the one that sort of brings him out of it a little bit that brings him back into reality but i don't know i mean like the fact that he feels remorse about him doesn't really change anything he's still being just like a horrible horrible person but the motivations behind it are obviously uh related to shay and tywin unfortunately i think that's the narrative purpose there george really likes writing characters at their lowest moments and i don't think there have been lower moments in a song of ice and fire than Tyrion's chapters after killing tywin like they have been just the hardest to read they have some of the worst worst content the worst choices any of his characters make it's like abjectly grimdark awfulness and yet Tyrion remains so many people's favorite character. What are you gonna do? I think people like I think when people say Tyrion's their favorite character, they mean Tyrion before Dance with Dragons. Oh, Carly also asked, how do you think the board of salt and smoke relates to Jon Snow? Salt and smoke relating to Jon. 
I'm going to guess that it has something to do with his resurrection. It doesn't have it. That doesn't do have anything to do with his actual birth That his rebirth where is where that stuff's going to come into play. Although there have been suggestions that Bowen Marsh crying as he's stabbing John, maybe the salt, maybe there'll be some smoke involved, like the burning of Castle Black or something like that. Civil War that follows. Not really sure. Those are one of those things where where people call George a gardener. And this is one of those things that like the biggest example, because it has it's so vague. Like I've seen theories that Jorah's Azora High. Everybody's Azora High because you can fit these things to anybody. And actually that happens in the narrative where Eamon's like, oh, well, we thought Rhaegar was the song of it was Azora High because, you know, Summerhall was the salt and smoke and the red, blah, 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 blah. It'll make sense when it makes sense. Um trying to pick it out ahead of time is probably not going to work. <clears throat> I find very little point in like um, trying to fit them backwards or, tr or trying to use those as like the markers because you can make an argument for anything. They're just vague. Like the I, I, one of my favorites is when Renly says to Stannis, salt and smoke, are you a ham? It's like, yeah, that also fits. A smoked ham has salt and smoke. <laughs> you know, could go either way. Morley asked, do you think we'll get a John Ghost POV chapter? This is the prologue for the Wind's Winter. No, those won't be the prologue. We know it contains Jane Westerling, so John won't be there. But I, I do really want like a John in Ghost POV, at least a few chapters. Uh, I was talking about this in the secret mod slack for A Song of Ice and Fire mods. And we were talking about John's coming back and his betrayal and stuff like that. And I was like, give me something crazy, like um, like super Twin Peaksy, where John doesn't realize he's in Ghost, that he doesn't realize he's dead, and that as they walk around, like as a ghost walks around the castle, that he, John, perceives it as himself and is very confused about like, wait, why is nobody treating me like Jon Snow? Why can't anybody hear me? That kind of thing. Or, or another cool one would be, we know that when John into ghost ghost also is like skin changing or something himself because there's this very bizarre scene where where uh ghost is actually standing on a cliff but within his mind he's in this enormous forest and within it he finds bran so i would like it if george reused that thing and had like john lost in that forest or something and maybe as he's walking through it maybe he sees bran or maybe he sees like aria and nymeria or something like that or he's really confused and he doesn't understand what's happening to him that would be really great for a john ghost peel thing that he has to come to terms with the fact that he's died and that he's in ghost but because ghost is like inherently magical itself it, it makes for a really cool like high fantasy chapter <clears throat> i would like the second one more but i think the first one would be cool too yeah john getting scritches like i guess i guess scritches are good but like why, why is everybody giving me scritches that'd be my those are my picks though hope those make oh yeah i beat you to it Kali. is euron azor Haibo reborn no but he thinks he is isn't that the same thing yeah go go read back that chapter where john is warging into ghost and then ghost is in this like weird forest and john and ghost are like the same person and then they find brain in that forest and then they snap back and you realize that ghost is actually up on a cliff and he's not they're not in a forest at all that whole thing should come back george really loves those kind of like weird dream things like maybe that's maybe a ghost has a form of green sight or he has some way into the weird woods or something like that because he's contacting bran so 
could be something. So, oh, $5 super chat from Smith Crazy. I'm going to pronounce that. But yeah, that's right. Isabel Lamego. Bran is a tree in that dream. Okay, since last before vacation, any question is game commitment on a prediction on the release of Winter Winter. Enjoy the content as always. I'm going to make a prediction and then I'm not going to care that it comes true. Mark it down. Christmas 2021. We're going to have the Winter Winter. I'll be wrong, but I'm making the prediction. Uh, thank, I appreciate the super chat, though. Thanks, buddy. Let's see here. Oh, another one from um, Eric Ferg. He says, does John's instances of berserker rage? I guess a lot of John questions from my patrons have a lot, have a later payoff in the books, particularly when combined with presumed wolfishness of a second life, perhaps a brief instance of uncontrollable anger when Kerr will occur in a battle. The others, Bolton's, Lancers, or Euron. So I talked about this with uh, San Rixian and Bookshelf Stud a while ago. Uh, we were talking about the Night Fort and Jon Snow and how I thought that maybe John will become like Mad Axe, that he'll come back from the dead and he'll be vengeful and a little bit more, a little bit lower on self-control and a little bit more wolfish. And he's going to go ahead and kill the people that killed him. Like, and I compared it to the shining, basically like how much the night fort seems like the overlook hotel, basically. And that he's going to become like a Jack Torrance kind of like ax murderer sort of thing. Yeah. I think that, I think that's definitely something we should look forward to that. John is not going to come back the way he was. I mean, look at Stoneheart. Look at the, look at the comparison between Stoneheart and a Catelyn Stark. There's, they are basically different people. Eric Dondarrion before and after. Totally different. So respect the same thing from John. Yeah, Mad Axe John. Go reread reread the story of Mad Axe and then dub that in for John getting revenge on the Night's Watch brothers, including Othel Yarwick, who are going to probably run through the Night Fort. There's been a thing, the Night's by the Night's Watch getting uh revenge on mutineers. Yeah, another one. Oh, uh, we only have a few minutes left here. I'm gonna try and get through the ones that people sent in. Last call for anything. Anything you guys want to know? Like it doesn't have to do with the Song of Ice and Fire. This isn't an Ask a Magician anything. So anything you want to know, throw it out there. We'll try and rapid fire these babies out. Been rapid fire babies. I could have said that better. Lady Stoneheart's cat without her cursy armor. Like sort of, but Alan Stark is not mass hangable in the rest of the books. Like there's definitely been a, a definite change. Same sort of thing for John. Even if it's just like unleashing inner anger or something like that. I mean, like it's obviously, you know, you know what I mean? It's like. The, the behavior before and after before and after are so wildly different. I expect the same thing from John. Another one from Carly. Oh, she asked about the Tower of Joy fitting salt and smoke. They did that in the show. They did the bleeding star was Dawn covered in blood. That could, that could be something. Which POV character? This is from Morley. Which POV character do you think Germ will end with in A Dream of Spring? Um, sounds like more. I think so will be John. I'm guessing it will be Bran. Bran started the books. I think Bran will end the books. That'll be my guess. As it goes, prologue Bran. Oof off my throat <clears throat> that's not good Wouldn't be doing that I'm not going through puberty am i i would guess brand just like thematics and i think there's something daniel abraham said that when he was adapting the comic books for george when he was doing a game of thrones he wanted to cut something and george told him he couldn't it was like kind of an innocuous line that would end up being like the last line of the books basically and i believe it was probably from a brand chapter based on what he was working on so yeah starts and ends with John would be good. Arya would be good, too. Yeah, I think Bran's going to be the, the thematic resonance. All right, let's see here. What are you guys throwing at me? Cracking Queen, did I read the Witcher books? I have not. I've read the first one. Remove this. So I have Baptism of Fire, Time of Contempt, and Blood of Elves on my shelves that I haven't read yet. I'm planning to. I liked I liked The Last Wish more than the show. I thought that was actually pretty good fiction. I thought it was. it worked. It moved quickly. It was interesting. There was a lot 
there's a lot of world building I didn't quite get. There's a lot of like memorization of stuff that even watching the show didn't really inform me on it. But I thought the world was interesting enough. I thought Geralt was much more interesting as an internal POV than, than his depiction in the show. That his internal thoughts, much like John, are way more interesting. He said it relates to something in the end, not this the last line. I thought it was the last line, but I don't know. I haven't read that for a while. There's something about that that Daniel Abraham, that Daniel Abraham knows the ending of A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, I have not played the games witcher i am not a big like adventure hack and slash kind of game sort of fan i don't play them like i've never played i don't think i've ever finished a zelda game i've never played skyrim or obviously the witcher god of war any of those kind of things i don't know maybe if i like the witcher enough i'll give it a try i'm gonna try probably elden ring game that germ wrote the world building for that seems interesting i'm gonna give that a shot I don't know what a conjunction of the spheres is. There's a lot of weird stuff in The Witcher that I'm just like, wait, what? What are you talking about? What does this have to do with anything? I mean, it's it's still weird. I'm just, most fantasy is weird. So, I don't know. Kind of like a high fantasy. So you just gotta, if you're gonna read it, you gotta buckle up for that kind of shit. Uh, let's see here. Isabel Lamega, what do you think will happen to Gilly's baby monster? So there's the story of Bale the Bard, where where he impregnates the Lord of Winterfell's daughter, and then that kid ends up becoming Lord of Winterfell and ends up killing his ends up killing Bale in, in a battle, not knowing that Bale's his father. But I think there's possibly a thematic resonance for Monster that perhaps I'm guessing that Randall Tarley's not gonna make it through the books if Randall and Dickon don't make it like like in the show. That perhaps Monster will end up inheriting House Tarly. I mean, obviously he's not related to Sam, but that could be his future. Although I do worry about Monsters. Oh wait, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. They swap. They swap. Shit, I got that wrong. So Monsters at at the at the Night's Watch. Monster is with Val. Shit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got that all wrong. Okay. What's going to happen, monster who's still at the wall? Because they did the baby swap. Right. Stupid baby swaps. So what's going to happen to little monster? I think there's a good shot that Melisandre may sacrifice the kid to bring back John. Uh, there's also a suggestion that Shireen may pay for John's resurrection. I worry about basically everyone in a Night's Watch in the Winds of Winter because after killing John, it's going to be chaos. We already know that Sir Patrick of King's Mountain got killed by 1-1. Uh, there's fighting everywhere. The wildlings are going to show up to attack the Night's Watch brothers. So I, I don't know. I, I worry about Val. I worry about Monster, especially with the kind of weird, the weird, it's the right word, obsession that Axel Florent has over Val. Like there's, there's a lot of ways that things don't go well for Monster. And the, I got those mixed up. Eamon Steelsong, there's a good chance that he ends up the Lord House Tarly in the future having no blood relation to them. Yes, of course they would. Like no genetic tests. Like this, this stuff probably happens like every so often to these houses. A bastard ends up lord of something and then that's just how it goes. Bale the Bard is literally telling us that like lords of Winterfell are not like pure Starks all the time. White Walkers might be coming for him or monster. I thought that they'd be coming for Steel Steelsong or whatever his name will say him, whatever. Don't burn the baby. I mean, Aemon instantly thought that Melisandre was going to burn a baby and that's why they did the baby swap. So George has introduced the idea whether or not he goes through with it is up to him. Hope he doesn't, but I'm not writing these. So let's see here. You guys got anything else before we uh, head out of here? I'm probably going to take a nap after this, even though I just drank a bunch of coffee. I, I stayed up way too late playing Rocket League. <laughs> I haven't picked it up for a while and I was watching. What's it called? I don't know if you guys know the YouTube channel Secret Base. It used to be Sports Nation, I think it is, but with like a John Boyce and what's his name? Kofi from they do the Fumble Dimension and Will something. All guy with glasses. Hey, all guy with glasses. Who does their weird rule stuff. They were playing Rocket League yesterday and I was like, oh, I haven't played that for a long time. 
And then I played it for like six hours. Oh, I'm a little tired today. How it goes. A good nap weather. Oh, just like Stardew Valley. Oh, I, I have stuff to do. I have to go. I'm going to put it in my water system. Anyway, don't worry about that. Leave Val alone. <laughs> I hope George leaves Val alone. Although he has said, somebody asked him about John and Val once. And he said, well, you're right. There is something there. It's like, but I do worry about them. Chaos is a bad time, to, especially military chaos. <clears throat> Scroll up, see if I missed anything. Oh, hey, Morley. I'm glad you like my pitch for John's ghost thing. That would be some good fan fiction for me to write. What if I wrote that? What if I wrote my version of John's ghost chapters? I have written stuff in the past. I, I do. I have written fiction. I just don't show it to anybody. Hey, thanks, Shelly. Nice message. Sasuke, you're going to read those weird Harlequin romance books with the titles The Winds of Winter and The Dream of Spring. Uh, yeah, I think I am going to. Those trashy novels with those weird, weird titles. Those are strange. I, that's one thing that got, sort of gets me about like uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. The names of the books are really generic. <laughs> a Storm of Swords, A Clash of Kings, A Dance of Dragons, A Game of Thrones. Like those, those are just like super generic fantasy names. And then you look at someone dying and seven times kill man and the way of cross and dragon, all these other things. Like a lot of a lot of his titles are really creative. And he got to a song of ice and fire. And he's like, whatever. The titles can be just as generic as I want. Whatever. I think it uh, probably helps with the sales, though, because they're just like they're really easy to understand what they're about. What's a Game of Thrones about? It's about nobility struggling for a throne. Form of Swords, Wars, Clash of Kings, famous Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, if you if you go back and read a lot of his old books and a lot of his old stories, they have really creative names. He used to think it was a really big deal that his titles like grabbed the audience and then he just sort of gave up. There are nothing more generic than the Thousand Worlds. Um, Thousand Worlds isn't the name of a story. That's, just a, that's like one of the names he came up for his sci-fi universe thing he's also called the man realm it's a few other things right the ghost story yeah right fan fiction let's see here what question did i get to oh one last one for morally who is septa lamore we'll end on this one so just a reminder before i say this if you're watching this back dr sick notes you won the shirt from my threadless shop so i'll send i'm going to send you a message on the on the faceless men comment section to get your information so i can send you the the code for it this is gonna be the last stream until at least july 10th it looks like if i don't have to work i'm gonna i'll update that one on patreon and on youtube and stuff like that but yeah i'm gonna be on vacation not gonna be not gonna be seeing anything for me i'm gonna be going off to just relaxing and really not doing anything it's gonna be great i think we all need a vacation after this year so the uh last question here is who is stuff to lamore from morally i think she is sarah mopatis i think she is illyrio mopatis's wife he says he's dead that's my best guess i think george's way of having Tyrion try really hard to figure out who she is and unable to do it meanwhile he just casually unmasks everyone else probably tells us that this is somebody that Tyrion doesn't know therefore probably anybody like a Chardain or anybody like that people that he would recognize from court like he put together John Connington and and uh young Griff really quickly so that'd be my guess five dollars or more please do us a Patreon treat for us oh god maybe I'll think about it but yeah uh, thanks you guys for hanging out this Saturday I got nothing to plug today I'll be putting up a Patreon I haven't done the June update yet so I'll do that later today for you guys links to everything else what's going on in the future all that other kind of stuff yeah thanks for hanging out this Saturday I'm gonna Go take a nap for a little bit and then probably work on my garden. Have a good Saturday. Thanks, everybody.